Well, Alabama and Arizona may be the favorites out of the South region, but I see a pair of double-digit seeds who could be dancing into the Sweet 16 in Charleston and Utah State. Isaac, let's discuss. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Andy Patton. He's Isaac Shade. We are so excited to be closer and closer to actual NCAA tournament basketball today. We are previewing both the South and the East regions of the NCAA tournament. We're going to close out the show talking about the Chris Beard hiring at Ole Miss while also offering a reminder that the 60-day transfer window is officially open. We're going to be keeping you up to date on all of the transfers. Maybe not all. On all the thousands of (laughs) transfers. I don't know if we can cover 1,800 guys entering the transfer portal, but we're going to cover the big names right now as we're recording this. J.J. Starling out of Notre Dame is certainly the biggest name in the portal. We've seen Eddie Lampkin. We've seen a handful of other guys. uh, Sky Clark out of Illinois. Guys we weren't surprised to see entering the portal who are there, Uh, but we're going to kind of, of course, keep that up to date as we get into the offseason. But for now, Isaac, we got a bracket to talk about, and we're going to talk starting here on the South region. We're going to kind of go through the games really quickly, talk about some upset picks that we have. Uh, and Isaac, I want to start at the top. Alabama, of course, playing Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, or Southern Methodist. Uh, those That's, you know, probably an easier game to project, but I'm curious kind of your thoughts. Um, we're assuming Alabama's advancing. Who are they going to play in the second round between Maryland and West Virginia and how that might shake out? Well, with all respect to our Methodist friends in Dallas, it is not Southern Methodist. It's Southeast Missouri State. We've been recording 80 shows a day for the last week, so bear with us here. Yeah, listen, I am excited. I think Alabama is mm-hmm. no doubt runaway and we'll we'll yep. get you primed not primed but we'll give you the the notes for the uh, play-in games which will be mm-hmm. tonight tuesday mm-hmm. um we'll give you that at the end of the show but yeah Al- alabama's gonna win this game i don't i don't mm-hmm. see any way in which they don't but mm-hmm. I, so with that in mind i just want to jump to the eight nine game here between yeah. maryland and west virginia yeah and these two teams get eight and nine seeds, which means, you know, eight times four is 32. I'm good at math. Nine (laughs) times four is 36. And so when you think about that, you expect the eight and nine teams to be in that low to mid thirties range. Mm -hmm. These two teams are both top 22 at Ken Palm. Andy, now some of that for West Virginia is playing in the big 12. But that said, I, I mean, I feel like either of these teams, whoever comes out of it, probably has a good opportunity to give Alabama a tough game at eight, nine, mm-hmm. where we know it's often teams in that eight, nine game who are middling team, middling high major teams who mm-hmm. maybe didn't meet expectations, but are potentially capable of them. Mm-hmm. The funny thing for me is, is of all of the eight, nine matchups against one seeds, I think this is the one that's the least likely to result in a loss for the one, th- one seed. And that is not me making any kind of commentary about Maryland or West Virginia. They are very, very good teams and both have compelling cases to potentially have been seven seeds or even higher. But I think Alabama is just absolutely rolling right now. I think you yep. look on the other side of the bracket, Houston might have a tough matchup against Auburn and effectively a home game. Uh, Kansas, if they were to face Arkansas, which is a possibility, that's a really tough game for them. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about Purdue and what I think might happen to them in the second round. But Maryland, West Virginia, two really good teams. But I think Auburn, or excuse me, I think Alabama is going to advance through there and, and be in the Sweet 16. But I got to tell you, Isaac, 
I don't have them playing a four seed in Virginia. What? I don't have them playing a five seed in San Diego State. What? I have Alabama in the Sweet 16 playing the Charleston Cougars. I be- truly believe that this 31-win team, yes, they did not play a bunch of elite teams. The best team that they played in the non-conference was the preseason number one team in the country. You might know who they are. My I've heard of these Tar Heels. <laughs> who are done Tar Heels squad, but that loss uh, didn't really uh, help the, the Cougars as much as you'd hope that it would because of, of course, Alabama, or, uh, North Carolina's continued struggles that season. But I, this Charleston team, very, very talented. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the entire country. Top 20 in offensive rebounding percentage. Fourth in the country in total rebounds per game. Their three-point defense is very good. They're also a high-level scoring team. They do just about everything well. Again, didn't beat a ton of tournament teams. They did get a victory over Kent State, who is another kind of double-digit seed who I think could potentially pull off an upset in their first-round game against Indiana. Their other wins, Virginia Tech, Colorado State, Davidson, good quality teams, not necessarily elite teams. But San San Diego State, the five seed in that region, doesn't finish particularly well around the rim. They're barely in the top 250 in two-point field goal percentage. Virginia is a team that has kind of been up and down throughout the year. We've seen when they struggle, they can really struggle. And I, I, I see a Charleston team here that, you know, 12, five upsets are trendy picks for a reason. They happen, what, 12 of the last 14 NCAA tournaments, I believe. Right. That's right. That is the number there. So this Charleston team feels like a team of destiny that I think could, uh, could potentially add to their gaudy win total of 31 and potentially pull off a couple. I don't think they're going to beat Alabama. I don't want to, I don't want to get too crazy on you, but I do think there's a possibility that they could be uh, facing them in the sweet 16. Well, and I like what you're saying there too, about, uh, I believe you're talking about Furman potentially upsetting Virginia yep. as well. And yep. listen, Virginia is a good team. Mm-hmm. They're not going to out athlete you. They're yep. going to out Tony Bennett you. Yes. And they're really good at being a Tony Bennett team. Kihei mm-hmm. Clark has been there since Ralph Sampson was there. It feels like, yep. and he just knows uh, like he is one of the toughest defender defenders, r- regardless of how diminutive he is. He is so tough to shake. Reese Beekman is the ACC defensive player of the year. So they, they're going to guard you like crazy, but Furman, a good year. We're 27 and seven overall, 15 and three tied with Sanford there in the SoCon. Mm-hmm. That that net ranking was within the top 100. And, and when you're looking at uh, a mid-major team to maybe do some work, you never know. Mike Bothwell is the leading scorer there, 18 points a game. Yep. But it, it's one of those games, Andy, where something's got to give because we talk about Virginia as a high-level defensive team. They're not elite this year like they often right. are. So keep that in mind. But Furman comes in as the eighth leading scoring team in the nation at 82.1 points per game. One of the things you have to do well against Virginia is move the ball. Well, Mm -hmm. Furman's also eighth in the nation in assists per game at Uh 17.1. Now, here's what's interesting and where it's really going to come close together. Furman leads the nation, literally first in the nation in two-point field goal percentage, 59.1% as a team. You got to beat Virginia often outside the three-point line because that pack line defense is set to stop you from shooting well inside. For example, you talked about North Carolina. That's why they struggled against Virginia under the Roy Williams era as they packed the paint, but why they've done better against Virginia under Hubert Davis because they can shoot from outside. I'm really excited about this game. If Furman can get inside and continue to do what they've done from the two-point range, they might be able to pull off this upset. Well, looking at the bottom half of the South region here, and we'll kind of go through it quickly before I, I would love to get your your MVP of this region, your potential breakout player, the guy that oh, maybe you know. 
the, the guy that maybe people who, who watch college basketball haven't been as familiar with uh, who they're going to learn about in the NCAA tournament. Uh, looking down here, you got Creighton, North Carolina State, Baylor, Santa Barbara, Missouri versus Utah State. Uh, that's an interesting game there as well. Utah State, top 20 team in the net rankings. Very, very good Mountain West program. And then, of course, you have Arizona playing Princeton. Isaac. Talk to me about how you think the bottom of this bracket might shake out, and I'd love to hear who you have in the Sweet 16 out of this bracket and who you have as your region MVP and breakout player. Yeah, Andy, I, I know like Utah State's high. I think they could upset Missouri. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly from our bracket breakdown show, mm-hmm. FanDuel actually has them favored over favored. the Tigers in that game, so uh, I can ride with that. I believe Creighton will beat NC State, but watch NC State's backcourt of Jarkel Joyner and Terquavion Smith, and DJ Burns is an absolute load inside. Mm -hmm. If they could get past Creighton, I would love to see their backcourt match up against Baylor in the round of 32, but ultimately I have Baylor and NC State moving on because I'm just Mm going to speak that into existence, and then (laughs) I have Baylor ultimately beating Arizona. I think the guards are going to be able to uh, neutralize the Arizona guards and be a little bit too much for Arizona's height. Although I wouldn't be surprised at all if Umar Balo and Azulis Tabellis just yep. obliterate them inside, especially because Baylor is not a great defensive team. So I got Baylor coming out of that bottom half to play Alabama with mm-hmm. the Crimson Tide as my final four pick out of this region. I'll let you get yours in just a second, but you asked me for my MVP and my breakout pick. So I'll give you mine and then turn it back over Mm -hmm. for the MVP. I got Brandon Miller. Yeah. It's, it's one of those no brainers. I'm not even going to talk about it more because Mm -hmm. if I have Alabama winning this game or this region, I've got their best player being the man Mm -hmm. for my breakout player. If you've watched college basketball, you have probably heard of this young man, but many people might not have because he is a freshman guard in one of the most heralded backcourts in America. And that's Keontae George. Yeah. Because you've probably heard of a LJ Cryer and mm-hmm. Adam Flagler, who are the holdovers for this Baylor team. But in comes Keontae George as a freshman. He's averaging 15.8 points a game, 4.2 rebounds, 8 assists, shooting 34.9 from three, which is very respectable for a freshman especially in this backcourt where you're just chucking them up. Yeah. So Keontae George is an electric next level athlete. Make sure you watch him playing for Baylor. Cannot wait to see how the bears perform. Well, you have a lot less faith in Creighton than I do. I have Creighton not only advancing past NC State, I actually have them upsetting Baylor. I think uh, Baylor's lack of low post presence is going to be an issue against Ryan Kalkbrenner. He's not an elite offensive (laughs) player, but he is a very, very talented defensive player. He also can get his buckets when he needs to, and I'm just not sure that Flo Thamba is going to be up to the task for the Bears. Andy, Uh, my picks tell you that you're wrong. My brain tells you that your analysis is better than mine. (laughs) It'll be an interesting matchup because Creighton's going to have a hard time with those three guards because every team in the country has a hard time with those three guards. That would be a very fun matchup if we were to get it. Uh, I have Arizona advancing. I do have Utah State winning that game. I have Arizona advancing past them. Arizona Creighton in that Elite Eight game. Give me the Wildcats. Give me a region MVP because I have Arizona Alabama in the Elite Eight and I got the Wildcats advancing there. Uh, That that Duo in the front court of Azulis Tubelis, Umar Balo, really, really tough to stop. I have Tubelis winning the region MVP for the Wildcats. As for my breakout, 
look, if I'm picking Charleston to go to the Sweet 16, then you know that the breakout guy has got to come from the Cougars. <laughs> Dalton Bolin is my pick there. Yes, he has been a machine for this team. Multiple 20-point games on the season, averaging 12.5, along with four rebounds and one and a half assists for him. Well, Andy, great stuff there. Can't wait to watch this bracket as it kicks off, folks. Let us know your picks for MVP, breakout star, and winner of this region. We're going to move to the other the other region on the left side of the bracket, the East region, playing in Madison Square Garden. We'll do that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Friends, the NCAA tournament is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download that FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drain. Make sure to check out all the great possibilities as the tournament tips off on Thursday. Not counting the play-ins there, I'm sorry. Plus, <laughs> FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn all about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Andy, before we get into this East Bracket, make sure, folks, that you go check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown available now right there on the Locked On College Basketball channels. So, Andy, we want to get into this East Bracket where the Purdue Boilermakers are the fourth overall number one seed, a team that you and I both believe is the most vulnerable yeah. of the number one seeds. They will take on... Um, I've got it wrong in my bracket because I actually wrote it down wrong. Uh, but, you know, Southern or Fairleigh Dickinson. That's right. That's right. Coming out of the 16 seed. Yeah. Let's be honest. All due respect to those teams. Purdue's mm -hmm. moving on. But then mm -hmm. we get an 8-9 matchup of Memphis and FAU. The 5-12 game is Duke and Oral Roberts. That's yeah. going to be wild. 4-13 is Tennessee against Louisiana. The Rajon Cajons. 6-11 mm -hmm. Kentucky against Providence. 3-14 and 14 is Kansas State against Montana State, 7-10 Michigan State against USC, and 2 versus 15 is Marquette and the Vermont Catamounts. What up, Taylor Coppenrath? <laughs> Andy, I want to start with this 8-9 matchup of Memphis, mm -hmm. who just is coming off the AAC championship against FAU, who many people think is a team that would have gotten an at-large bid if they had not mm -hmm. won the CUSA tournament championship. Whew. What do you think about this 8-9 matchup? It's a really, really fun game. I think there were so many choices the committee made that I really appreciate from a just an aesthetic perspective, from a <laughs> basketball perspective. There's a few that I don't love. There's no way that they're ever going to bat a thousand. I wasn't a fan of St. Mary's and VCU playing each other in the first yeah. round. I thought yeah. Oral Roberts didn't get a, a chance to play. They should have gotten a five seed that's not as as hot as Duke is right now. But <laughs> this game in particular is really, really fun. Memphis and FAU, two extraordinarily talented programs. Memphis has a lot of momentum after dismantling Houston in the AAC championship. It was a 10-point game. I know that's what the final result shows, but if you watch that game for folks out there, it, it was not a 10-point game. Memphis blitzed them right out of the shoots. Yes, the Cougs were missing Marcus Sasser. That is a very important caveat to note, but still, this was a really nice performance from the Tigers. And, and quite honestly, 
I believe either Memphis or FAU, whichever team advances here, has a very, very good chance of upsetting Purdue. Purdue has... They struggle from beyond the arc. We know how critical outside shooting is when you get into March. We also know how experienced guard or how how important guard play is uh, for the NCAA tournament and, and really experienced guard play. Purdue's guards are good. They are talented guards, but they are freshmen, almost all of them. And we saw as the season wore as the season went on, they kind of wore down a little bit and, and they right. started getting more pressure. Big Ten teams started to kind of figure out that that was a, an avenue to potentially beating this team. And Zach Eady can do a whole heck of a lot of things, but he cannot do everything. I think these guards are talented enough to lead Purdue to a deep run, but I'm not sure if they're consistent enough to do so. And I think teams like Memphis and FAU who have nothing to lose in a second round game can press and press and press and blitz the Boilermakers as much as possible. And quite honestly, I'm not sure if Purdue's going to be able to handle that. And part of the reason Andy is a statistical reason that is my favorite national <laughs> champion stat. Let me hit you with it folks. Cause you need to know this when you are filling out your bracket, you should not pick a national champion that has shot below 32.9% this season. Why? Because we have never, since the adoption of the three-point shot, had a national champion shoot below that. We've had 35 champions. None of them have been underneath that. So what does that mean for this year? Do not pick the Purdue Boilermakers as your national mm -hmm. champion. I don't care if you are a Purdue alum. They have shot 32.6% from three, and they will not win the national championship. But also, another team in this region, Tennessee, right at 32.9%. You should not pick them. Other notables in other brackets, in other regions, excuse me, TCU, 30.6 from three. Yikes, no. And the Texas A&M Aggies at 32.9 are below that threshold as well. So, Andy, not only could Memphis or FAU beat Purdue, but Purdue, even if they got past them, is not going to win the national championship. You heard it here first, or maybe along with other people. I don't know. But moving on beyond that, Max Asmus, yeah, getting him back in the tournament. It's so fun. We remember that run a couple years ago. But as you said, unfortunately, it's against Duke. Mm -hmm. Can he run around these seven-foot trees and mm -hmm. have some fun in there and just cause problems for John Shire's team, who is a very strong defensive team? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that, that Oral Roberts is absolutely going to give Duke a significant run for the money. This team did not lose a game in the Summit League. They're the only team that went undefeated in conference play this entire season. There is something to be said for that. Is the Summit League as good as the ACC? No, we've been down on the ACC this year, but we're not that down on the ACC this year. But that's still an extraordinary performance from Oral Roberts. Acemas is an absolute star. Uh, Jeremy Roach is going to have his hands full on the defensive end of the floor, assuming that's who they put on him. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. I think so. Uh, this isn't a 12-5 that I'm picking. Duke is just really peaking at the right time. In fact, to be quite honest with you, I have Duke coming out of this region completely. Ooh. That is my pick here. Duke is going to the Final Four out of the East region, and I have them playing Kentucky in the Elite Eight, and I know – that that pisses people off. And you know what? I'm going to be quite honest with you. It kind of pisses me off too. <laughs> Duke, Kentucky in the Elite Eight is just boring. It's not the most interesting, not the most compelling matchup we could get. Now it's a five seed versus six seed, which is unique. And many other years, if you said, would you rather have Duke, Kentucky or Purdue Marquette? Most people would pick Purdue Marquette, but that's the more, that's, that's chalk. That's the one seed versus the two seed. Duke, Kentucky is a five seed versus six seed. It's an interesting dynamic. There's a lot of blue bloody teams in this uh, in this region. Tennessee's up there. Michigan State is the seven seed. Kentucky, obviously, we talked about them. Montana State, <laughs> clearly one of those other teams. No, but uh, I think this is a fun region. I think it's one of the most chaotic regions. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's why. I mean, I have a 
two, five, six, and eight are the seeds of the four teams that I have in the Sweet 16 nice. coming out of this bracket. Marquette versus Kentucky, Duke versus Memphis. I think there's a lot of possibilities uh, for this, this region to go a lot of different ways, and I think it's going to be one of the most fun ones to watch this year. I think you're spot on with that. There, I look at so many teams, I'm like, I can see a path for them making it to the mm-hmm. Final Four, or them, or them. One of those teams I don't see is Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I, I, that defense, one of the, mm-hmm. I mean, probably the best defense in the entire nation that they've been most of the year. Yeah. But it's been my refrain all season, so let me remind you again, if you're just tuning in with us for the first time, don't <laughs> trust Tennessee, yeah. especially now that Zakai Ziegler is unfortunately done yeah. for the season. Andy, I disagree about Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I have them going down to K-State, and I know the seeds would bear that out. Yeah. But honestly, if it's Kentucky versus K-State, I think FanDuel probably has Kentucky as the yeah. favorite in that game. They've just been so inconsistent mm-hmm. that I do not want to trust them. But, I mean, you look down at these teams. I've got Marquette coming out of the bottom to play Duke in the Elite Eight with Marquette moving on to the Final Four. And part of that is because I'm going with an East Region MVP of our guy, Tyler Kolek. For a lot of people, he could be the breakout star that you've never heard of, but I got somebody else for that. Tyler Kolek, man, averaging 13.3 points a game, 4.2 rebounds, 7.7 assists. My man is doing it all. Has a triple, just one triple double? Did he Mm -hmm. have more? I think it was just the one. Just the one, yeah. But just filling it up shooting over 80 percent from the uh free throw line 39.4 from three mm-hmm. a great great season for him and for my breakout star it's my little man marquise mm-hmm. noel we talked about max Asmus. Yeah. he mm-hmm. already had his breakout chance so he doesn't get this one marquise noel a five seven lead guard for kansas state setting up keontae johnson and everyone else uh, he himself is right behind Tyler Kolek, 7.6 assists per game, 16.8 points a game. Watch out for the diminutive Marquise Noel doing work for uh, Kansas State. Andy, who do you have for your MVP and breakout star? Well, again, I mentioned I have Duke going going all the way out of this region. So for me, I'm, I'm going to go with Kyle Filipowski. He's been the best player for the Blue Devils this season. If they are to make a deep run, if they are to you know, beat Oral Roberts, beat Tennessee or Louisiana in that second round and pull an upset over Purdue or in in, in the case of my bracket, it would be Memphis uh, in that situation. I, I think if they were to do it because Kyle Filipowski is playing elite basketball, which is what we saw from him in the ACC tournament. Uh, he's he's proven he's not unstoppable necessarily, but it, when he gets going, that Duke team is really, really hard to beat. And for my breakout candidate, again, savvier college basketball fans or people who've been watching the sport for a long time will know Kendrick Davis, uh, the point guard at Memphis. He's been around for a while. He started his career at TCU, was at SMU for a couple of years, was one of the most highly sought after players in the transfer portal this past year. And there's a reason for that because he went to Memphis (laughs) and he flat out dominated. He's been absolutely excellent for that team all season long. If Memphis does upset Purdue, it's going to be really hard for Kendrick Davis to not be plastered all over ESPN, all over Bleacher Report, all over our podcast here. We're going to be talking about him. I think there's a very real possibility of that happening and of Davis being one of the darlings of the NCAA tournament this year. Well, Isaac, the coaching carousel is in full swing already. We haven't even got to the start of the NCAA (laughs) tournament, and already we're seeing coaching moves happening left and right. Ole Miss made a controversial hire by bringing ex-Texas host uh, coach Chris Beard into the fold. We're going to discuss the the many facets of this hiring by the Rebels next. All right, Isaac, segment three here. We're talking coaching carousel. Uh, I want to quickly mention the other coaching news that we saw happen today. Yes, today as we're recording this. Tomorrow, Tuesday, as you're listening to this, uh, Georgia Tech 
Damon Stoudemire. I love this hire. I think this is a fantastic hire for them. Uh, he was the coach of Pacific for a while, uh, led the Tigers to a 71 and 77 record. You may think that doesn't sound great. Do you know how hard it is to coach and to recruit and to do anything at Pacific? It's in Stockton, California. It's the least desirable market in the WCC, a already difficult conference to recruit in because if you're not Gonzaga, BYU, or St. Mary's, Teams aren't all that interested. Uh, players aren't all that interested in going there. For Stoudemire to have that kind of success there, he then, of course, spent two years in assistant for the Celtics, national champion at Arizona. I think this is a fantastic co- uh, hire for Georgia Tech. Oh, it absolutely is. He'll be a great addition to the ACC, which, as we've talked about, is yeah. going to have a lot of flux. But we want to spend the majority of our time here talking mm-hmm. about the Chris Beard hire. And, mm-hmm. Andy, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in this conversation, we got to talk about two different sides of it. Yeah. we got to start with, the, the moral and ethical side of rehiring someone mm-hmm. who's just gone through what he has. And then we got to talk about the basketball side of it because he is unequivocally yeah. a phenomenal basketball coach. Yep. But Andy, I, I want to give you the mic to start. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about yep. Chris Beard, who was dismissed by Texas? He was found, you know, charges were dropped. Mm-hmm. But when you read this police report yeah. of the, the events that happened with his fiance, that that didn't not happen, right? That happened, even if he is not found guilty. Mm-hmm. And so if if you are the AD of a school, and in this case, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. how, how can you justify, I'll use that word, going ahead and bringing Chris Beard back less than three, four months after that? You can, just, you can justify it by him winning a lot of basketball games. And I don't love that justification. And I, I, I think a lot of people do not like that justification. And I think they have a very, very good reason for not liking that. But that's <laughs> that's how they're going to justify it. He's going to win us a lot of basketball games. And they're he will. Probably, they're probably right about that. And I, I, I think that the, the belief at Ole Miss uh, – Ole Miss – I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this because I don't like using the, the word perfect. But Ole Miss, in a way, is kind of the the – the school that I think this makes the most sense to do because they don't have a lot to lose. Their reputation is going to take a hit. They're going to get, and they should, and they should get, they're going to hear a lot of negative commentary about this. They're going to get AD is going to be kind of come under fire and there's going to be some criticism. And, and I think that that's justified. You're looking at a coach who, who a person, I should say, who, who very clearly did some, some pretty horrendous stuff here. I, it, he didn't get charged. I understand that. I, I, I you know, I, I'm not going to dispute that necessarily. I don't think that that's worth disputing. It was a, a DA who's notoriously very hard on domestic violence cases who chose to throw this away for, for, you know, they didn't have enough evidence. Great. That's, that's fine. But it's a tough situation, but for Ole Miss, they haven't had a lot of basketball success. They're in the kind of buried deep in the SEC. Like yeah. this is the kind of move you have to make in order to be relevant. And for them, they saw an opportunity to hire an elite basketball mind, a coach who's relatively young and, and could have a, a long successful career. Now, if he has success at Ole Miss three years from now, he's probably going to go somewhere else and, and yeah. whatever team hires him there, whatever big true blue blood it is, is going to kind of deal with the same yeah. uh, conversation, but it's just going to be a little bit, more dim because it'll be years later. Uh, Ole Miss takes the brunt of it right now, but they're willing to do that if yeah. he leads them to a 25 win season. And and he, he might honestly do that. It's a little gross and there's not really any other way. That's the best word I can think to describe <laughs> it on a family friendly podcast, I suppose. Uh, but I, I, I don't like saying this, but I understand it. 
Yep. And it doesn't yep. mean that I'm okay with it necessarily. Yep. It doesn't mean that I'm not frustrated by it. I'm also not irate and going to like send an email to the AD or anything, but I get why people out there want to do that, why they might do it. I also get why Ole Miss said, we're going to accept the negative feedback that we're going to get about this because we don't get opportunities to hire coaches yep. like this all the time. It's kind of a gross mentality. It's how sports have operated for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's how they're going to continue to operate. And there's not a whole lot that anybody can do about it, unfortunately. And, and you think about like, when look at who your football coach is a yeah. very kind of infamous, notorious personality in Lane yeah. Kiffin. So you exactly. got both of those guys yeah. and also Kermit Davis, who, who coach Beard is replacing mm-hmm. is known as one of the nice guys of yeah. college basketball. That's and true. I know nice guys don't win basketball games. Right. Mm-hmm. And when it just means more, <laughs> it apparently means winning at all costs for mm-hmm. the SEC and in this case, Ole Miss. But Andy, the thing I often filter this through is I have a son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. Is this a man I would want coaching my son as, as a basketball coach? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I do. Yeah. I would not send my son to play at Ole Miss under Chris Beard, despite the fact that he's a great basketball coach. Right. And for me, that's, that's where I would draw the line mm-hmm. uh, if I were the AD of Ole Miss, which I'm not. So, <laughs> Let's move to the basketball side of it because, again, he is a great basketball coach. In his one year at Little Rock, 30 and 5, 17 and 3 in the Sun Belt, went uh, to the second round of the NCAA tournament, then quickly, quickly turned Texas Tech around, came so close to winning that national championship game in 2018 19, Mm -hmm. and then uh, made that jump. Uh, from Lubbock to Austin, where he had a decent year last year, made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament, was off to a good start this year. Um, so unequivocally, great basketball coach. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think we can do anything about that. I mean, he's a, has a career 70.1 winning percentage. Yeah, um, was 29 and 13 at Texas before dismissed. Uh, his ability to both recruit and coach is unmatched by a lot of people. Um, and so, Andy, what, what are your expectations of how quickly he can get Ole Miss going? Maybe that's the next place to quickly ask. Yeah, he's going to win them games. Uh, if you're an Ole Miss fan and you're, you're still listening to us, which we'll see if, if that's the case, um, <laughs> then he's going to win you basketball games. I, I don't think there's much debate about that. What I'm curious about, and this could be part of a larger conversation we could have another time, um, is, is how he will be able to recruit. Because I think he's... He's historically a successful recruiter. He's utilized the transfer portal well. You can see that in Texas. I think that's key, transfer portal. But are guys going to want to go there? Certainly there's a large subset of basketball players who who will not care, uh, who who this won't bother them. And and you could have an argument about whether it should or not, but that's that's their their prerogative. That's their jurisdiction. For Ole Miss, you know, players who are being recruited at Ole Miss right now may that that may be one of the few power five opportunities that they're getting um, until Beard turns this program around. I think you might also see guys who have played for him before who like him, who who may end up just choosing to go over there as well. So I think if he can turn things, I think there's a possible he's going to he's going to lead this team to victories yeah. because he's a good coach. How quickly he turns things around depends on how many players are willing to come play for him via the transfer portal. I don't have a lot of reason to believe that he's not going to be able to pull talented players from around the NCAA, pull talented high school players, and turn this program around fairly quickly. Great stuff. We will certainly keep our eyes on the situation there at Ole Miss. Andy, two playing games tip off tonight, 640 Eastern on True TV. The one time of the year you find yes. True TV on your dial. Southeast Missouri State taking on Texas A&M Corpus Christi for that 16 seed in the South bracket. And then also on True TV at 910 approximately p.m. 
Pittsburgh versus Mississippi State for the 11th seed in the Midwest bracket. Tomorrow, we will have the other side of the bracket for you, the the West and the Midwest. We'll see what can happen there. Don't forget to leave some reviews on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. Smash the like button and comment. As always, apologizes to, apologizes, apologies to the lawyer family, especially today because I dumped on Purdue. And until tomorrow, peace. <laughs>